0: Well, it's good to be with you today on this special feast day of the church. It's one that gets a lot less attention than it ought to based on its importance. So I was wondering, if if each of you were to make a list of the top five feast days on the church calendar, what would you rank and where? We probably all start off with Christmas or Easter, uh, but very quickly start to kind of search our minds for how to fill out the rest of the list. Maybe Good Friday, maybe Palm Sunday. But I bet that Pentecost wouldn't end up on a lot of our lists. And, you know, we have a really good excuse because Pentecost usually happens in summer, and a lot of us aren't here (laughs) for Pentecost. Uh, If only the Holy Spirit had shown up a little earlier, he would have gotten a little more airtime. Those 50 days really did him in. And Pentecost doesn't have the widespread kind of cultural... Uh, familiarity that Christmas and Easter have, no one sat down and figured out how to make money off of Pentecost yet. There's a real opportunity there. (laughs) No one has made countdown to Pentecost at calendars. There's no Pentecost sales going on at the mall. The Pentecost dove does not sneak into your house and leave treats for you kids. (laughs) None of you were shocked this morning when there's no Pentecost basket waiting for you. And like this feast day, this member of the Trinity whom we just sang about, the Holy Spirit, is also the least likely to be talked about or or understood. There was a book that was written a few years ago by Pastor Francis Chan uh, that he entitled Forgotten God, Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. And in this book he describes, uh, he examines why the Holy Spirit uh, gets less attention and focus and the impact that the Holy Spirit can have on our lives when we give him the the proper place that he should have. So Pentecost is an opportunity for all of us to learn from this story uh, of the early apostles about the gift of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit can can do in our lives. So first, we need to look at what led up to Pentecost. The disciples have been on an absolute roller coaster. First, their master and friend Jesus was arrested and put to death, which shattered their world, their faith, and their hope. And then they barely had time to adjust to this event before another shock arrived on its heels when three days later Jesus rose from the dead and began to appear to them. He continued to meet with them for the next 40 days and to teach them. Then he ascended to heaven and told the disciples, go back to Jerusalem and wait for this gift that I will give you. This gift will give you the power that you need to carry out my commands to go forth and to make disciples of all nations. So the disciples return to Jerusalem. They gather in the upper room and they wait. Day after day after day. They wait and they use that time to pray. They continue in this fellowship with one another and in their prayer as a sign of their confidence that Jesus will come through and will fulfill his promise to them. It takes 10 days before the Holy Spirit arrives, but when he does show up, he shows up in power. He descends upon the believers, arriving with the sound of a rushing wind taking form as flames dancing over each believer's head and giving the disciples the gift of languages that they have never learned how to speak or, or know how to speak. And the disciples don't just settle in for you know, a continued prayer retreat to enjoy this gift of the Holy Spirit. Instead, they are immediately propelled outward, out of the upper room into the city where they begin to use this gift of languages to share the good news of Jesus with all those who are around them. And because this was a time uh, in the Jewish calendar of a feast day, there were a lot of Jews gathered from many different countries who spoke many different languages. And so they are able to understand this proclamation of the gospel in their heart language, in the language that they know the best. It draws so much attention that Peter decides to stand up and explain to the crowd what it is that they're seeing and hearing. They are not drunk, Uh, God is actually on the move, fulfilling ancient prophecies, raising Jesus from the dead and now sending the Holy Spirit to empower the disciples to share this good news. You may have noticed that there's a lot of different natural images that are uh, associated with the Holy Spirit. There's the dove, there's wind, sometimes water is associated with the Holy Spirit as in baptism. But today I wanna focus on fire as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We always have to be careful when we do images for fire for Pentecost so that it doesn't conjure up images of a scary place if you know what I mean. We want it to appear life-giving and empowering. And I love the image of fire for Pentecost because there really is this explosive sense of what happens on this day. And it reminds me of fireworks. When fireworks go off, they release a huge amount of energy and they draw a whole lot of attention because they're so dramatic and so beautiful. And that's what it was like on this first Pentecost. The power of the Holy Spirit is unleashed upon the disciples, and uh, this has a huge ripple effect. The, the book of Acts records that the number of followers and believers in Jesus expands from 120 to 3,000 in one day. That's how many people responded to the gospel at that one time. So why did, Jesus send, why did God send the Holy Spirit in such a dramatic way? I think there's at least two reasons First, this incredible sign and wonder demonstrates that something truly divine has showed up and come upon the disciples. The disciples will never look back and question whether or not they really had received the Holy Spirit. Jesus comes through for them in an unmistakable way. And second, the signs and wonders aided the spread of the gospel at this really critical moment when all these people have come to Jerusalem from different countries. And this gift of tongues enables those people to understand the gospel, and then as they go back to their homelands, they are able to bring this good news about Jesus along with them. Now, while Pentecost was a very unique event, the Spirit's dramatic power is not limited to the first century. Maybe some of you, like me, grew up in charismatic churches that had a greater emphasis on the dramatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and I am personally really grateful for that experience because I learned about what it looks like to really expect God to show up, to heal, to transform, and to come close to us in a, a powerful experience of the Holy Spirit. And yes, even Episcopalians can experience this side of the Holy Spirit, this powerful and dramatic side. But the Holy Spirit can also show up in less dramatic ways as well. So if we have the fireworks on one side, let's think of this other way that the Holy Spirit shows up as a fire that burns in a fireplace. It grows more slowly, it builds over time, and it burns more steadily in the long run. This steadily growing fire of the Holy Spirit looks like our hearts and our minds becoming more like Jesus as we follow him throughout our lives. In our prayer book, we have something called the Catechism, which is a document that outlines teaching about the Christian faith. And the Catechism describes the Holy Spirit as the Lord who enables us to grow into the likeness of Christ. Now, that might not sound as exciting or electrifying as the first day of Pentecost, but St. Paul himself says that we can't focus only on the dramatic gifts of the Holy Spirit. In the letter, his letter to the Corinthians, he says, if I can speak in the tongues of angels, but do not have love, I am nothing. Paul mentions love again in another passage, where he outlines this fire in the fireplace work of the Holy Spirit. And he calls it the fruit of the Spirit, the nine ways that the Spirit helps us to become more like Jesus. And hopefully as you came in today, you got a card that has uh, pictures and descriptions of each of those gifts. The growth of this fruit of the Spirit in our hearts is like a fire in a fireplace. It unfolds in a steadier and slower sort of a fashion. And each of those fruits were embodied best by Jesus. Jesus himself, the gospel show, was loving and joyful and peaceful, patient, faithful, generous, gentle, and self-controlled. And that is the work that the Holy Spirit can do in our hearts over time to help us to grow into that likeness of Christ. Now, if you've ever grown fruit or any kind of plant, you know that that type of growth happens slowly. I planted some zinnia seeds in my garden the other day and I keep wanting to run out and look and see if they have grown. (laughs) And I have to really adjust my expectations because it's gonna take them some time to emerge from the ground and to begin to grow and produce leaves and eventually flower. That work in our hearts takes time. And the disciples themselves reflected these uh, fruits of the Spirit. They experienced a very dramatic side of the Holy Spirit, but they also over time grew in their likeness to Christ. After this Pentecost day, they went out and, and fulfilled Jesus' prophecy that they would be his witnesses, not just there in Jerusalem, but in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It must have taken an incredible love for God to have left their homeland and to have gone off to share the good news of Jesus around the known world at the time. It must have taken a lot of self-control and faithfulness on the disciples' part to continue to share the good news through all the hardships that came their way. We know from church tradition that nearly all of the apostles uh, gave their lives up for the sake of the gospel. That took the fruit of the Spirit growing in their hearts over time to help them to make the choices that Jesus was leading them to make. So, if the fireworks of the Holy Spirit have ever seemed strange to you or maybe a little off-putting, that is understandable. But it doesn't give any of us a pass on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift for all of us who believe in Christ. So... Some of us might be more fireplace Christians, but that is no less of a powerful gift because bearing the fruit of the Spirit can be incredibly life-giving for those around us, for us, and can be a witness itself to those who don't know Christ yet. In 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us how we are to go about growing that fruit. It's both the work of God and there's a part for us to play as well. He says that we can plant the seeds and we can water them, but God is the one who gives the growth. So how could we plant seeds of the fruit of the Spirit today? How can we water the seeds that have already been planted? A very simple way is just to ask God to grow that fruit in our heart, to grow more love, more peace, more patience. I would invite you to take a look at your card and think about which of those fruits you have a need for in your life at this time. And especially for our children who are going to get a chance now to come forward and to ask God for one of the fruits of the spirit by lighting a candle. And uh, Father Cullen is gonna explain more about that in just a minute. But as I finish up today, let's remember that um, the Holy Spirit is a gift for all of us, a gift that can be cultivated in our hearts as we grow to know Jesus better, as we grow to become more like him. So as we ask for the fruit of the Spirit in our lives today, may God the Holy Spirit be the one who gives us the growth. Amen.